0: Hey y'all, this is Ryan Monso, and this is Talking About Them Cougars Podcast from Gokooks.com in affiliation with Dave Campbell's Texas Football Republic of Football Podcast Network. And we had to say that because we're going to be joined by Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's. He's their college football everything. And he was at the TCU game, and we wanted to ask him how much fun did he have? But
1: first I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H Athletics. Cougar athletes have to trust their coaches and teammates, whether it's going for it on fourth down, nailing that three point shot, or trusting your teammate to hit that walk off home run. If you've been in an accident, big or small, do not go it alone. You can trust Gus to fight for your maximum recovery.
2: Call 866 Trust Gus today. TrustGus.com. Principal office, Houston, Texas.
0: So we're going to talk to Mike Craven from Dave Campbell's Texas Football. He was at the TCU game, and I'm sure he has plenty of things nice to say about U of H. Mike, rank your favorite U of H offensive touchdowns in the TCU game.
2: Uh yeah, probably the Nathaniel Dale return. I guess you know yeah, we'll, we'll, sounds- we'll cheat, we'll cheat and count that one. Up. And they had plenty of opportunities. Like you go you back, mean Matthew Golden, right? Yeah. Well, I don't remember what I said. Uh, uh, but Nathan, Nathaniel
0: Dale did it well too.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm living on Sundays. I was watching the Texans game earlier. Um, you know, you go back and they, you know, they got into TCU territory, you know, five out of the six possessions. You know, they had opportunities to score. They just couldn't pull it off there, you know, in the in the red zone and, and on the plus side of the field. So I think the opportunities were there. That's the silver lining. They just got to figure out how to close out drives. That's one way to
0: say it. They were um one of eight on third and fourth and short. And you just can't win games if you're going to go for it that many times on fourth down. If you can't convert them at all, you're never going to win.
2: Yeah, I think that was my biggest question for Houston moving into the Big 12, was how would they handle the offense and defensive lines? Like That, that tends to be the biggest difference with these conference jumps. Uh, my UTSA Roadrunners are gonna deal with it in the American. Houston's dealing with it in the Big Twelve. We'll see if some of the other newcomers have to as well. But you know, you can tell when they went for it the first time on fourth and one and got stuffed, they lost all confidence to to try to do that same thing. They went play action, you know, didn't give Donovan a great look in the end zone there. That was that was a tough throw for a four They made that fourth and one very tough. Um so I think some of its scheme. Um, but some of it's just not trusting that offensive line, or just not having an offensive line that you believe can push those dudes around. That makes those uh, those chance. Because I think it's the right call to go for it on fourth down at home yeah. against a team that's better than you. Um, but if you can't move them off the ball, that's no longer an easy play.
1: Yeah. But well, to be to be fair, they we struggled doing the exact same thing against Rice. There is a big big difference jumping up as far as facing Big Twelve talent, but this offensive line struggled with
0: rice yeah you'll struggle with the next iteration of offensive linemen but for sure with this iteration what did you see from donovan what did you think about his game and, and what you remember from when he was at tech
2: yeah i mean i donovan smith is a he's a gamer he's a he's a hard worker he's a you know a coach's son that i think's a, a really smart football player But he has limitations like he had limitations at tech Um, If you know if he didn't he'd be Texas Tech starting quarterback and so uh, you know I I think he does a lot of things well but he's never been asked to be the guy before this is the first time in his career um, that he's been asked to kind of be the leader of a football team to be the starting quarterback and all that that entails. Uh, I don't know uh, how he's handling it behind the scenes, uh, but I, I don't know if it's just him right like if you have an offensive line that as you mentioned uh struggled mo- moving rice out of the way. And that's kind of where it all starts. Like, you know that that unit has to be good for a quarterback to be good. He doesn't have the, you know, the the safety blanket in Nathaniel Dell to just kind of like make everything better. And when nothing's going right, here's a guy that we can just go figure this out for. And so, uh, you know, I, I think he's struggling to find a number one right, wide receiver. I think he's struggling in a new offense, and he's definitely not a guy that's going to go win your football games by himself.
0: Well I agree with that. Um, so he has no run game. To help him out. And then the guy that he wants to be number one, Matthew Golden, has had a drops problem. And so he, I think he feels like it's all on his shoulders right now. And yep. that's not the feeling you want your quarterback to have.
2: And he's not – he wasn't recruited to be that guy. Like, I don't think Dana Holgerson brought Donovan Smith in with this, like, thought of, oh, okay, well, that fixes everything and now we're going to go win 10 games and he's going to throw over 4,000 yards like – that's just not who he's ever been. That's not who he was when he beat Houston in overtime, right? Like he did it yeah. kind of in a grimy way as with a team and stuff. And so, like, I, I I guess to me it just feels like a guy who's maybe being asked to do too much. And I don't know if that's because of the scheme or just, you know, they don't have any other things to go do offensively. So it has to be Donovan or Buss. I mean, either way, those feels like, uh, like coaching problems or, or issues created by either not having the talent around or you know, not getting the right quarterback, or not having the right scheme. Something is going on offensively uh, with Houston that's not allowing them to kind of finish drives and, and create points in a way that they should.
1: Even statistically, I look, I was looking at that today because you know my, the immediate reaction is that oh my gosh, Smith might not be the guy. But I'm looking at the statistics of what he had when he was playing at Tech for the last two seasons, and he is down dramatically from a completion percentage, and he's down from even throws behind the line of scrimmage from up to 10 yards, from 10 yards and over, and 20 yards over. Everything is down completely. Yeah, the Zach Kitley offense makes it as easy for a quarterback as he can.
2: That's kind of the whole thing that they're doing at Texas Tech, and before that he was at Western Kentucky and then uh, Houston Baptist. It's kind of been, I guess, Houston Christian. It's kind of been you know, that same offense, and so I think Donovan's being asked to do more than he's ever been. And you got to remember when, for the most part, when Smith entered the game at at Texas tech, it was as a backup or, uh, for a starter who was still injured. And so, you know, I don't think he was ever asked, like, here's the whole playbook. You know, we're going to put it on your shoulders. You're going to throw the ball 30 times and you're going to run it 10. And like, you're going to be our offense. Like, I don't think that was ever the plan, uh, in Lubbock. And, you know, that's more of the plan in Houston. And again, I don't know if that's, uh, just, you know, scheme and the way Dana's running this offense, or if it's just like like you mentioned, you just don't have a running game, so what else are you supposed to do? Houston, to me, just feels like a team right now that nothing is coming easy for. Like, everything seems hard. Like every, A three-yard run seems hard. A screen seems hard. Taking uh, a field goal seems hard, right? Like, stopping somebody on third down seems hard. So uh, it just feels like a team that needs something easy done, and I just think you're going to have to scheme your way to that because clearly the pieces aren't there um, to make it that easy.
0: Yeah, you're 123 in sacks allowed and something like 115 in tackles for loss allowed. So you're, you're struggling blocking anybody, and it's only going to get worse once you get deeper and deeper into that Big 12. And it's not like it's backups. These are your frontline starting guys, and it's just a huge problem going forward. Mike, what did you think about the defense? Dana, over the last couple of days, has sung their praises. He was happy with their performance against TCU. Was that U of H defense or the TCU offense maybe not getting it done as many times as they should have?
2: Yeah, I mean, the TCU offense isn't great. I mean, I have my questions about what Chandler Morris is. They're not an offensive line that's just going to bowl you over or anything. But it's, it's a good defense. It's, I mean, a good offense. It's like an upper half of the Big 12 offense. And I didn't think Houston lost that game because of its defense. I mean, it wasn't 1985 Bears or anything like that. But, you know, I didn't walk away from that game going, wow, you know, Doug Belk's defense is really a, a problem. I kind of thought it was more of the offense. Like, eventually, a good offense is going to make good plays if you're out on the field that much. And the, and the Houston offense wasn't doing any favors uh, for the defense. And eventually, TCU broke through. Uh, the dam broke, you know, I think human nature sets in and then all of a sudden it's 36 to 13, but you know, Houston was in that game for throughout the first half and, and into the third quarter because of its special teams and because of its defense, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Well, all 13 p- points came from the special teams, which is not <laughs> what you'd hope for. Um, they had a team meeting on Monday and he told everybody that they were pressing and that everybody was trying too hard and they, It was like walking on eggshells, I guess. And they should have an easier time with it. But, Mike, you probably know this better than us. The Sam Houston defense is okay. They're pretty good.
1: Yeah, uh, statistically,
2: Sam Houston has the best scoring defense in the nation right now. Yeah, Uh, they have the best passing defense in the nation right now. And that's not, you know, they didn't play a game last week, but that's that's average per game. That's not total. So,
0: um,
2: you know, if Sam Houston can do anything right now, it's play defense. Now, they have an even worse offense than Houston. That's that's the good news for the Cougars. Like Sam Houston's offense is struggling. (laughs) Uh, they need to find a quarterback in in a bad way. They they can't really do much of anything. But uh, that defense is really good. It's going to give a, t- a test to Houston. and They're going to make Houston work for it. Like I, and that's that's the thing that he, like it doesn't seem like there's many explosive plays for Houston. So they have to like work their way down the field. I think one of the things that Dana's offense usually is is good at is is generating that explosive plays. Uh, and so far they just haven't been able to do it.
0: I would agree with that. Maybe they'll let this game just start in triple overtime and you just do the two-point plays (laughs) and save everybody four hours.
2: I think both coaching staffs would be okay with it. Well, I know the Sam Houston coaching staff
1: would be okay with
0: it. Yeah, I don't think Dana likes his his two-yard plays right
1: now, so maybe not. That's That's true. Yeah, we need to get the ball in our special teams guys' hands and let them get to work. Yeah. We just we well, just gotta man.
2: snap it twenty yards back to uh, Matthew Golden so he feels like he's returning a
1: kick rather than yeah. receiving a pass. Yeah, or get Donovan to just throw it up like it's a punt. There you go. I'm I'm done with the with the U of H stuff. I've been beating that stuff up to death. So far the Big Twelve has had a, a kind of a rough start to the season. Um a lot of a number of teams have had a, a bunch of bad losses. Is there anybody besides Texas and OU that are gonna be stepping up? That's a great question. Possibly uh, challenge.
2: You know, before the season, I would have guessed you know the TCU team that we just saw, but it, I, I just don't know if Chandler Morris is that guy, and and we'll have to see what that defense is against. You know, better offenses. Colorado kind of chewed them up and made them look pretty bad in Week One, so I think TCU is kind of a question mark. Texas Tech the same. I kind of thought people were getting a, a little bit ahead of the, the cart there on Texas tech. They feel, and this is still McGuire's second year there. They they have some work to do in the trenches. Now, Kansas state, I thought was the obvious pick for that. Uh, but Will Howard's been injured. They just lost to Missouri. I don't know. Now maybe, maybe the team might be BYU. I mean, so far BYU, UCF has been pretty good, but I don't think you can count on many of the teams in the state right now. It, it's been a down year, and I guess I attribute that to just quarterback play, like uh, the same reason that the SEC feels down. As you know, I, I just think that quarterbacks are so important to what these teams do, and, and when you're kind of in a new one, or you know, maybe you've taken a step back at the quarterback position, it's really hard to keep everything going forward.
0: Well, the good news. Is the Pac 12 will not exist to steal SEC and Big 12 quarterbacks anymore. So <laughs> you might be able to keep those guys in the league. You have to feel like if Kansas can keep Daniels healthy, that's going to be interesting. And then BYU, I mean, has probably the second best win in the conference after UT going to Alabama.
2: I always forget about Kansas like that's on me. <laughs> like, it's still is hard in my head to like assume the Jayhawks are, are going to be contenders, but you're right. I mean, I think if we just look at the, the three weeks of the season so far and the data that we have and we right. don't go on like past history or what perception of a program is uh, BYU, Kansas are probably, you know, the top four along with Texas and Oklahoma in terms of performance on the field, like Kansas, if they can keep that QB healthy, uh, absolutely has a shot.
0: Yeah, they get BYU and UT in the next two weeks. So you're going to find out pretty fast uh, what they have. I think Uh, they have the best coach in the conference. Well, by far. That guy is so good. I would take him, if whatever my team was, and no matter who I had, I would probably take him over them. Because if you can win at that the Division two level, and then at Buffalo, and then at Kansas, you're probably yeah, I, I a pretty think, good coach.
2: I think sometimes with these coaches, we like overthink things and we try to take the genius offensive mind or this defensive coordinator on the best team. Like, give me a guy who just wins everywhere he's yep. been a head coach. Like, there's an art to being a head coach. We've seen it with Joey McGuire at Tech, Jeff Trailer at, at, at UTSA. Like, even from the high school ranks, it works. Chris Kleinman, Lance Leopold, like Brian but, Kelly. right? Brian Kelly
0: USA. is a great example.
2: You know, we forget where he was before Casey Keeler at Sam Houston. Like Houston's about to play a guy that that probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. The only people with more wins than Casey Keeler that are still coaching are Matt Brown, Nick Saban, and Brian Kelly. Um, and so, like for me uh, to to be a proven commodity as a head coach, I don't care if it's at the high school level, at the Juco level, FCS level. Like there's there's a recipe to that that these guys know. Craig Bow at Wyoming's another example of that, right? And like those guys mm-hmm. just know what they're doing; they know how to run a program. I think that's why you're seeing Kansas and Kansas State uh, kick above their weight, uh, just because their head
1: coaches are better than everybody else's. Since everybody's taking really bad losses, I just, I just have this vision that UT their day is coming, their and day, they're going to be lo- losing. <clears throat> excuse me, they're going to be losing to the new Kansas, which is Houston. So mark that I, down on oh, your hang calendar.
0: On. I'm so confused. What?
1: <laughs>
0: They're going to lose to U of H?
2: Yep.
1: Yep. Mark it down.
2: That would be the most Texas thing ever, right? The
0: third ward would burn if that happened. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know. Yep. Uh, I'm going to be out front of Frenchie's with a with a fire extinguisher, just yeah. doing my <laughs> yeah. job.
2: Yeah. Protect the palace.
0: Yeah. And
2: it, I. <laughs>
0: I I think, uh, I no, that's not happening.
1: <laughs> they could lose, and they we hey, were we weren't going to lose. We they weren't going to we weren't gonna lose to Rice. Anything can happen. You know, it's not just anything. their turn. It's not that we're special. It's just their turn. Everybody else is dropping just terrible games left and right. UTs do, has to come. Well, they I have three weeks it's more in likely- a row.
2: I do think it's more likely that they lose a game rather than they go undefeated. Like Texas is going to lose. I mean, the big 12 is good. Like it's hard to go undefeated in the big 12. Like there's going to be an 11 AM kickoff somewhere that they don't get up for. Maybe that is Houston uh, where they just kind of like, you know, it's 10, 10 in the fourth quarter. A couple of things happen. I-, I do think Texas is kind of through the first three games kind of shown a different side of themselves than-, than previously. Like they've started to play better in the second half. It's actually been the slow starts that have kind of plagued them against rice or Wyoming. So uh, we'll see, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of am, I am on the train of like Texas is going to mess one of these things up. Uh, I just do. I also think 12 and one with a big 12 championship is going to get them in the playoff. Right. So they probably do have one mulligan uh, this year, as long as it's not too big of a blowout.
0: Right. So they'd go to Baylor this week mm-hmm. and Baylor has not looked good, but I just, that's that one game where I think that it could happen. And then they have OU or excuse me, they have, Baylor, at Baylor, they have Kansas, and then they go to Dallas for OU. That's a three-week stretch that's that's pretty difficult. Um, I'm a believer in a three-week, you cannot get up three weeks in a row. And they were up for Alabama. They had to get up for Wyoming because of how they struggled early. And I think this Baylor game could be uh, an issue. And if not... Certainly by the time you get to that OU game, it could be a problem.
2: I think, uh, and I, don't, I hope nobody else hears this, I think Oklahoma is the most underrated team, not only in the Big 12, but in the nation. Like, I think we've just stopped talking about Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Uh, like they're they're a pretty good football team like they they were 14 11 against smu in the fourth quarter and then ran away with that one so i think people are still looking at at oklahoma and like what are they going to do like i like oklahoma seems like a pretty good football team through three weeks i think they're figuring it out a little bit more offensively you know the defense is going to be pretty solid so yeah i mean i think if texas isn't the favorite oklahoma is clear number two Uh, it just becomes like i think a lot of us like that aren't texas and oklahoma fans just really hope um, They don't get to, like, write off with the championship. You know, I don't know if either of y'all, like, watch professional wrestling, but you never let the champion, like, go to a different organization with the belt. Um, right. And so, like, you just can't let that happen. So I think everybody's kind of on the mission of just no Texas, no Oklahoma, but it's hard to not look at the first three weeks and go, oh, those are the two best teams in the Big 12.
1: Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that they they definitely stand head and shoulders above the crowd right now.
0: Where are you at this week? Oh, you're I the- at I'm-
2: I'm in Waco. I'm at, uh, Texas. Oh, Texas, okay. Uh, uh, Baylor. I went to, uh, I went to TCU for the Colorado game. So I've checked off my Fort Worth trip. Now it is time to do my penance in Waco, Texas.
0: That should be fun.
2: Always a good time.
0: I've never been to a game there. It happens in November. So I'm looking forward to it.
2: It is a pretty stadium. Uh, yeah. You got the Brazos River, kind of like right behind it. That you can see. It is. Uh, I'm. I'm contractually obligated to say it. it's a pretty stadium because the name on it is McLean, yeah. and that's who signs my checks. And so mm-hmm. uh, that you will not hear me say anything other words. Beautiful stadium.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. Bradley, you got anything else? I'm good here. No. no. Okay. All right. Thank you, Mike. Absolutely, guys. Have a good one, bud. That was Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas Football. That's a magazine and a website.
1: That's true. <laughs> I'm Stuart Gus, official personal injury attorney of U of H athletics. If you've been injured in an auto accident, big or small, who you have on your team matters. You can trust Gus to get you the best possible results for your case.
2: Call 866-TRUST-GUS.
1: Yeah, boo!